Good morning to you. My name is Brett. I am pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Welcome. Glad to have you here. And glad to have all of you who maybe don't consider yourself a guest. You've been here three or four months, but you haven't considered us your home church. We're glad to have you at least for an hour today. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to all of you. I love the season. I love the entire whole from Thanksgiving to the 25th. It just makes me happy. And we do all we can to try to accentuate the moment to take your mind off the retail part. Because <laughs> that makes you sad. You got to spend a lot of money to make people happy. But the entire moment is supposed to be concentrating on who Christ is and why it's important for us to worship well. And these hour moments that we have a week allow us the privilege of focusing in on that purpose. So turn with me over to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. The title of the message is Going to the Next Level. Going to the Next Level. Paul is writing to the Philippians and he says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men. Verse 8, being found in, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Lord, help us we study. Three things on this passage about which I'd like to speak to you. One, the right attitude. Two, the right altitude. Three, abasement. Paul is trying to help the church at Philippi understand how in the world God could become man. The church at Philippi didn't have an issue with Jesus being God. They didn't. They realized God was different and other and was amazing and powerful and omniscient and all the qualities that we would normally ascribe to God as being transcendent of this earthly reality or anything that is made, the creative reality. They believed, they just didn't believe that Jesus was really man because man was so far below God there's no way God could stoop that low. It's just too far to go. God is not only the one who created the universe, he's the one who is outside of the universe in all of its, its bigness. I, um, I watch a program every week called How the Universe Works. It's on the Science Channel. Bore most of you all to death. <laughs> but I take notes because science is our friend. Now, I, I, I know most of you think science, you know, like, gosh, I mean, they, they don't believe in the Bible at all. They're doing everything they possibly can to try to disprove what we know to be true. No, no, no. Science is our friend. The interpretation of the results is our enemy. But God said in Romans 1 that everything about who he is is evident in what he has created, that the Gentiles are with, we, people who don't know God, who weren't a part of the company, are without excuse because he has made it evident to all through his creation. 
And so as science continues to explore the depths of what we don't know, and there's so much more we don't know than we do know, they can't help but find him. Now, they may not want to interpret their findings as finding him, but I look at it and I said, found him. You don't want to admit it, but you just found him. You just don't want Because if you find him, if they admit that they have to find him, then they're accountable. And they don't want to be accountable. And so I'm watching it. I'm taking notes, and it's just amazing. But, you know, our galaxy, the Milky Way, is, is, is one of billions of galaxies. That's aliens with a B. Billions of galaxies. And our galaxy is one of the smaller ones. And it takes somewhere in the neighborhood of 200,000 light years to get across ours. <clears throat> to get across ours. And there are, are, are millions, hundreds of millions of stars in our galaxy. And we think our galaxy is big, but it's just one of billions of galaxies. And they, they determine now the universe is continuing to grow. Well, why wouldn't it be? God never said, light, stop. He just said, be. And it never stopped being. And considering the fact that it illuminates and doesn't stop illuminating, and wherever the darkness is, it must overcome it, it's still going. So the science is just proving what I know Genesis already said. But I think about how big it is, and it's still continuing to grow, and I think... Lord, you're really big because you're, you're not contained in it. You're outside it. And we can't even fathom the reaches of the ends of the universe. And you're beyond that. Oh, he's, he's amazing. So these Philipp, the Philipp, Philipp, uh, Philippians, they were working really hard to try to figure out how is this, this God who is outside of all of our reality, so big and powerful, how could he ever become man? No, no, Jesus wasn't really man. He was, he was something else, but he wasn't man because man is so frail and so fallen and so stupid. <laughs> I mean, they, they make the mistakes that everybody has already made. They just keep making them over again. It keeps doing dumb things and hurting one another. And, 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 and they're, they're very base in their understanding. They're selfish, and they, they have to drum up virtue. Man does, because their nature is to go left all the time when God says go right. They are self-preservationists. They're always looking out for their own, not somebody else's. They have to be trained to love, not hate. They have to be trained to give, not get. Man is so messed up, there's no way God could ever become him. And Paul was doing all he could to try to help the Philippians understand that this is the only way it could happen. Is that God had to become man. We call it the incarnation. And hopefully this message will do something to explain how it happened. But there's no way to demystify it. It goes beyond your understanding or mine. The aggregate level of intelligence for all of humanity. Coming, present, and past. We'll never be able to figure this one out. We can talk about it. We can put verbs and nouns to it but we can't figure it out because it, it wasn't a, a dash of humanity with a little bit of God a pinch of, of man with some deity just left in a recipe that he could make up in a bowl it wasn't that 
It was something other. Because Jesus was not 50% man and 50% God that made 100%. He was 100% God and 100% man. Because, see, if you're 50% man, you aren't man. I don't know what you are. (laughs) But you are man. And if you are 50% God, by definition, you can't be God because God can't be 50%. He is all or not. And so the only way to have the incarnation work is if he's 100% God and 100% man. And whenever we put two 100%s together, we get 200%. But you can't have 200% in 100% of something. And so this is where our mind just gets blown. And we think, well, that doesn't make any sense. No, you just can't figure it out. It makes perfect spiritual sense, but your brain is too small. And this is, we press ourselves to the envelope of our intelligence. We just keep pushing Our theology works really hard to try to figure out how can I make this make sense to me? And I've been working at it for 30 some odd years trying to figure out how I can make this make sense. And so did Paul. And so is every other theologian who has come before us and all who will come after us. And we push the boundary as far as we possibly can. And when we get to the end, we do not exasperate ourselves and say, well, it just doesn't make any sense. Therefore, it can't be true. No, no, no. In contrast, we do this. Well, I can't figure it out, so hallelujah. Now, why? I don't just give up. I worship because I realize there are some things that are too big for this puny brain. And that's where my God lives. If your God can fit in your brain, he's too small, he ain't God. If you can figure all of him out, every bit of him, then he's not God. Now, the beauty is he gives us peepholes, little insights into who he is that makes, makes us feel really smart. I mean, oh, I figured that part out. I mean, we just get all excited about one little bit of revelation. And, and he is so much bigger than that. But he encourages us to use our minds. He did say, love me with all of your mind. And so Christians ought to be the smartest people on the planet. We ought to be the smartest people on the planet. A guy named John Lennox, who is a doctor in Oxford, an Englishman. He doesn't travel anymore. I've tried to get him to this church, but he doesn't travel because he's aged and his health is not what he used to be. But he is brilliant when it comes to the area of science and creation and, and the integration of, of biblical truth with science fact. Brilliant. So brilliant that the top, create, the top evolutionists and the top cosmologists who come together and, and give us explanation as to why the universe existed and how it happened and, 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 and our role in it, they give us their explanation. He has a biblical understanding. He understands everything they got, everything they know. And, and, and he, he, he asks to debate them. Who, who is the African-American gentleman that is the the uh, uh, pop star in the cosmology world. Say it again. Say it loud. Neil, yeah, Neil what? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> Mr. Lennox asked to debate him. 
And somebody put up the money to pay Degrassi, that guy, 50 grand. He said, nope, won't do it. <laughs> they upped it to 150,000. The guy said, won't do it. Because Linux makes too much sense. And he, I mean, he tears it down and breaks it up and puts it back together. You go, dude, that's what smart looks like. I love that. Love that. John Lennox, he wrote a book, a great book called Seven Days to Divide the World. Talk about creation. It's only about 200 pages. And you sit there and you go, this is so good. I just, it is so good. But I live in the world of science. I love it. I love it. But... When it comes to the idea of how our brains would wrap, the, wrap itself around who God is, we just can't do it all because he's bigger than us. And that's where we say, Lord, I worship you for it. I thank you for your bigness because it means that you are outside of my circumstances and my reality and you can fix whatever is wrong in my world. I got a lot of friends who want to help me. They give me their wisdom. But when you're going through stuff, your friends sometimes can't help you. They can't get in your soul. They can't do miracles. But your God can. This is why you want him bigger than your thought process. Be smart. Search hard. And when your intellect runs out, worship. Philippians, let me tell you how it happened, he says. Have this attitude. That was in Christ Jesus, have it yourself, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he says, first, let's start with your attitude. You, you have an idea about what people who are exalted ought to do and what they, what they shouldn't do. You need, you need to change your attitude. You think people who have stature, who, who have tremendous titles, president, CEO, emperor, king, you think they should never have latrine duty? Ever. I mean, if, 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 if president so-and-so, name them, Obama, Trump, any of them, were seen cleaning their toilets. I mean, all of us would say, what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this? Don't, don't they have maids in the White House? Why is, why is, why is Milena doing the dishes? Why is, why is Michelle sweeping? Something's wrong with this picture. We would all think that the people who are most high should not do the lowest jobs. But we have to have an attitude change when we talk about Christianity because it's all flipped. It goes counterintuitive to everything we know to be true. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, what do you got to be? Servant of all. I realize you want to be high, but if you want to go to the next level, it's down. The next level is down. You want to go up, you got to go down. Jesus went really down and he was really up as high as anybody has ever been up. So high we couldn't reach him. 
if we stood on top of one another, all of our aggregate humanity, all of you, we couldn't reach you with our deeds, not our height, not our words. He was that high. And he came and not only humbled himself to become us, but he humbled himself to serve us and then die a death he didn't need to die for us. When you want to go to the next level, you got to go down spiritually. And why does it say that Jesus was given the name above every name? Because nobody went that far. That high to that low. And what's sad about this note that Paul is writing is that he has to encourage the Philippians who start low. Okay, you're starting down here. You're at lower level. You need to go to the basement. And you find it difficult to go to the basement from the lower level. Why? What is wrong with your attitude? Something's wrong here. You are already really low. You just want to think you're high. Because it makes you feel better about yourself. But you are already really low. You are so low that you can't even reach my glory. You have fallen so short that there's no way that you can span the gap. You are really low. I'm asking you to just recognize your lowness and then go a little bit lower. Just a little bit lower. And the one who gave you the greatest example, who, him, he was at the highest height. And he came below you. Have this attitude in you that was in him. And then whatever degree you consider yourself low, you'll think it's no, dif- no, no difficult thing to go a little lower. Just a little lower. You have a wrong idea about what power looks like, about what influence looks like. The greatest in the kingdom shall be the servant. Had this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He existed in the form of God, yet he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. By the way, this is Merry Christmas. This, I, I, I know that the nativity scenes are really sweet. And we love the camels and the sheep and, 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 and the figurines of baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the wise men who weren't there, but it, it makes a good scene. <laughs> they, they weren't there. They weren't, we'll, we'll learn that later. They, they weren't there. They weren't, weren't. But we love, it's just so, it's Christmas. But there's so, there's so much stuff that happened. To get us to the nativity. He existed in the form of God. He was God. He had all power. When we think of all, we think of the power that we know exists. But there's power beyond what you know. And that's why you're always surprised when God does a miracle. Because there's power beyond what you know. And it just blows your mind when he exerts his strength into your weakness. You just go, oh, I didn't. Oh, oh. And beyond that, there's more. Whatever there is beyond what we know, he has it all. All power. He was all-knowing. There's so much more we don't know about our reality than we do.
not just about what's in the cosmos. We, all, as long as humanity lives, exists, we won't figure out what's at the outer reaches of whatever the universe looks like, ever. Because it is expanding at the speed of light. It's taken us all of human time to get to the moon. Just the moon. Just the moon. That's a few thousand, hundred thousand kilometers away. Just the, and light is 678,000 miles per second. And it's still going. And whatever God said with respect to creation, it's still happening out there because his word doesn't stop. And so we will never figure it all out. There is so much more we don't know than what we do. And there is more about what, what we don't know on the inside, not just the cosmos. So we're still trying to figure out how cells work. Oh, we know how they work, meaning what's on the inside. We understand the mechanism. But that DNA thing, we, we know all the sequences. We got it all down. We can tell where disease is going to happen and who, is, who has a proclivity toward what regarding what, what their markers are on their DNA. But we still don't know how it got there. And, and we don't know exactly what made the chem, what was the chemical stuff that makes up the DNA? I mean, there's so much we don't know. We, we, we don't know about the, the atoms completely that make up the DNA. So it's not just looking outward, it's looking inward and finding how deep does this go? There are things we just found out a few years ago called quarks that are forces that help atoms stay together. And, and, and then there are, are, are quantums and, and, and things on the inside of the, of the nucleus of the atom that keep the, the forces that are positively charged from spreading apart and breaking up every atom. Because we know that when you put two magnets together of equal uh, 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 charge, two positives, they repel. Yet on the inside of every atom, all you have is neutrons, which have no charge, and protons. On the outside of every atom, you have electrons that are rolling around. And just like, even though it's a little bit different, but it'll fit for you, just like our planet has some gravitational pull from the sun that keeps us going in orbit, there's an opposite charge from the electrons that keep them from flying off called the protons on the inside of the nucleus of the atom. But they, they, for years they couldn't figure out what is it on the nucleus, what's in the inside of the nucleus of the atom with the protons that, that allows them to stay together when positive charges uh, or light charges should repel one another, and the atoms should blow up, but we don't. We're still here. <laughs> and they just recently found that there were other forces that they didn't even know existed, and now they're trying to figure out, where did these come from? Are, are you listening to me? I just gave you a science lesson, but are you listening to me? <laughs> There's still stuff we don't know on the inside, much less about the outside. Ah! He didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He knew it all. He was omniscient, knew it all. He was omnipresent in the universe and every place outside. That's big. That's big. Big, 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 big. And, and, 
he emptied himself of that. He didn't regard equality. He could have said, I'm going to hold on to my privilege of being God. He held on to his nature because he had to, because God can't give up himself. He can't give up being who he is. He can make a sacrifice of his being himself, but he can't give up being who he is. If God gave up being who he was, then he wouldn't be God. Because the only things that can have an end have to have a beginning. So if something was created, it can actually be uncreated. If it's eternal, meaning it had no beginning and it had if it, eternal, had no beginning, no end, then what about anything in the middle could affect its being? Because it is outside of all things it created. Eternity, or the eternal one, God, is the one being in the entire universe that had no beginning and thus will have no end. Your children at some point will ask you, Mommy, Daddy, who made God? Well, nobody, baby, nobody. Well, like, you and mommy made me, right? Yes. Well, who made God? Nobody, baby, nobody. Yeah, isn't it beautiful? It's one of those mysterious things that blows our mind that the creature can't understand everything about the creator. He's bigger than us. And although it might frustrate you a little bit to try to figure out what eternity looks like from your temporal reality, it ought to be very securing. Because if he has never been created, he can't be uncreated. And he will be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The same for you. He will not change according to what is changing around your world. He's different. He kept his being because God can't not be. This is why he tried to tell Moses who he was, and Moses got all confused. There at the burning bush, Moses is arguing with God. Please, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. That's not a good idea. Don't, don't argue with God. Argue with God about going to Egypt. He didn't want to go. And he says, well, if I go, who shall I, who shall I tell him sent me? Tell him, B sent you. I am. That's what it means, B. I am. To which Moses didn't respond, but he had to think in his mind, is that like a name? <laughs> this, I, I, I am. I, I am sent me? I am. It's the closest thing. Nobody, to this point, nobody ever asked God's name. And, and the reason God said what he said is because Moses was looking for Tom, Jim, something that, that allows me to identify you, that puts you in a box that I can figure out every time I see you. I, I'm identifiable by Brett. I'm identifiable by Pastor Brett. I'm identifiable as a husband to Cynthia. I'm identifiable as... The father of seven. You, could, you, can, you can shape my life a little bit. 
But God's bigger than all that. And he can't be shaped by a name. And so he did his best to try to help Moses understand, I'm the eternal one. You want people to understand who is sending you? The best way I can let you know is that I always have been, I am, and I always will be. All those other gods are worshiping there in Egypt, they aren't me. They were fashioned by human beings. They made their own God. Nobody made me. He didn't give up his being. But he did give up his privilege. Says he emptied himself. He who was omnipotent became about as weak as you could possibly become. Anything more vulnerable than a human baby? In fact, we humans require the longest amount of care to be independent in all of the mammalian or animal kingdom. The longest amount of care. About 18 years, sometimes 33. (laughs) Until we can get on our own. (laughs) Ah. Weak, dependent, in need of people who were imperfect to provide for him. Omniscient, gave up his omniscience to become completely ignorant and now dependent upon his creation to teach him what he needed to know. Omnipresent, (laughs) filled up the universe and beyond now is wrapped in a four and a half pound, 18 inch human baby body. The tendency to claustrophobia had to be enormous. <laughs> he emptied himself. He came a long way to get you. He came a long way to get you. You seen that show, Undercover Boss? This ain't that, but it's close. We need you to go in there and fix your organization, but the only way it can happen is if you become one of them. So you need to see what's going on there so you can help fix the organization. The difference is that they tell the CEO what's, what he needs to be. Paul here goes from emptying to the term of servant, and then he goes to man. He says he regarded equality with God, a thing not to be grasped, didn't hold on to it, said, I let it go. And then he emptied himself of all of his privilege, not his godness, but his God privileges. And then it says he became a servant. And then it says he became a man. So it would be like this. Yeah, um, we, we need you to, to go into the company. And we believe that <clears throat> your service is going to be integral to the company's progress. We, your, your, your help and your wisdom and understanding and your, your effort is going to take us to a level to which we've never been, and we need you to come in and serve us like that. We believe in you. We believe you have the talents. We believe you have the strength, the ability. Boy, if you got into an interview like that, you'd be thinking, oh, this, this company going to be good. I, I, they, they, they believe in me. I think I can really add value here. And, and then you, you sign in the dotted line, and, and afterwards you say, so what's my position? Latrine patrol? 
sanitation engineer. Oh, no, 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 you must, you must have it all wrong. No, 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 you, you said I was supposed to. Yeah, that's the way you can help us the most. Says he accepted the responsibility of serving and then got the title. The title wasn't even worth it. But he accepted the responsibility of sacrificing to serve humanity and then said, okay, I hear you, and, and so I'm, you're telling me now I'm, I'm going to be a man. Yeah. Okay, at least, at least I know it's, it's required of me. Now I'm speaking in anthropomorphic terms, meaning terms that God uses that are human in their orientation so that we might understand his service to us best. Everybody understand that, that God really doesn't have a right hand, yet his hand is not or arm so short that it cannot save he really doesn't have eyes like this in the Old Testament. He doesn't have a mouth. He uses human form in order to convey who he wants to be to humanity so humanity can best understand how he is. And so the form of humanity was not expressed in godness until Jesus took it on. And he took it on with, with, with great obedience and deference. He didn't take it on demanding that people worship him, which he could have. He didn't take it on trying to set up a throne on the earth, say, come, bow before me, which he could have, because he was all that. But he took it on, and then it says, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. So he became man, and then he went, he went and allowed his, his humanity to debase him. It was one of, these, one of these circumstances that allows you the privilege of understanding something about what he meant when he said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't just that moment, though the cross was horrible, horrible. The Romans created it in order to accentuate torture and death. We have a standard in Western society, especially in America, where it says that if penalties are to be issued for somebody's wrongdoing in society, they cannot be cruel or unusual. The Romans flipped it and said, we want to make all penalties for criminals in our society as cruel and unusual as possible. And so they created the cross. And it was horrible. Sometimes men would hang on that thing for a week. Painful torturous the cross was bad but the rejection of Christ for the three years in ministry was equally as torturous where he was coming only to do good and they rejected him regularly if that wasn't enough his goodness was 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 rewarded with beatings before he went to the cross beard plucked out in clumps blindfolded soldiers hitting him saying prophesy who hit you then boy you think you're all that tell me all night to such an extent that you did not know it was Jesus his face was so disfigured made him carry his cross 200 pound beam after being beaten all night and on top of that he had lashes that were on his back wounds open where if you were 
if, if, you, if you could. You could spread apart his skin and muscle and sea bone because he was whipped with what we would call today a cat of nine tails, though it was not that in the Roman times. It was a whip of three strands with intertwined bone and potsherd and stones. And he was stretched out like this for maximum injury when the whip hit his back. And when it did, they would do it from the side and would hit here, wrap around to his front of his ribcage, cling because of the bone and the pot shirt and the stone. They'd pull with all their might and they'd rip out chunks of flesh. 39 times he received those lashes. This is before he went to the cross. It was one of these... God, do you know what I gave up? I gave up to get this humanity. I gave up all that to get this humanity. And now I've got to give up that which I gave up to get? It's one of these where his humanity cries out on the cross, are you any place? Do you see myself? Really? It seems like you have left me completely Though he knew he was supposed to be the sacrifice for mankind, his humanity cried out and said, really? I don't know how much more I can take. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. All through the process of his suffering, he was abased and obedient to the point of death. Death on a cross. You gave me this body so I could feel the pain? Yes. Because my humanity needs to have a substitute. You have to take their pain. You have to take their rejection. You have to take the consequences of their misdeeds so that they don't have to suffer for the wrongdoings. Please use the body that you accepted as a sacrifice for me. Do you see how far he's come? He came a long way to get you. He came a long way to get you. And, and Paul says, now, you need to have this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Why? Because there's a lot of people who still need to be God. What is it about your lowness that needs to go lower that you don't like. He's way up there. He came way down here. You're here and you need to go to there. What is it about your lowness that doesn't allow you to humble yourself and serve well? We have elders in this church who show up at events they're not even supposed to be at. You know what I see them doing? Picking up trash in the lobby. Helping to serve with pizza. That's not their job. Their job is to help govern all that we do. Oversee. I see them in the bathroom taking paper towels for a sink that's wet, countertop, wiping it off. That's not their job. We got a janitor. We got a whole cleaning service that comes in and does all that. Mm. What does elevation look like to you? What does promotion, what does 
position look like to you? Are you willing to come down in order to serve humanity well? Because your Christianity should not just be expressed in church and in home. Does, does this ever come out of your mouth at work? That ain't my job. That ain't my job. That's, that's not my job. Why don't you make it your job? Take out the trash once. Clean up somebody else's cubicle. Just, just take a little... Yeah, y'all ladies got purses. You got everything in there. You got so much... You, you got Tabasco sauce in there. You got... I said a lot there. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Just get a little bottle of Windex in there. Just just start cleaning stuff up. I hope you get what I'm trying to convey. Service ought to be in your bones. Have this attitude in yourself that was also in Christ Jesus. And what did his sacrifice, what did his humility get us? Got us all saved. What might your humility do for somebody who thinks nobody in your position ought to be doing that? Why are you doing that? Why not? Dear Philippians, change your mindset about position. Have this attitude that was in Christ Jesus and make it this this holiday season make it a very Merry Christmas for somebody.